itself is not power. It holds the potential for power if we use it as a guide for action. Edward D. Griffith. Beware the head of the snake. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for entering the tiger's den. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for spending your time in the tiger's den. We will try not to waste it. It is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023 AD. I am Angry Tiger, and tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we will be going over bank consolidation while the town is burning down from inflation. Why, might you ask? So did the tiger. We'll have a couple of answers for you. Also, we have some new people in the party when it comes to the war on CVDC. Imagine that, ladies and gentlemen. I wonder why all of a sudden everybody's come to this party that we've been having for the last two years. I wonder what's so important. All of a sudden, we're hearing, hey, I don't like CBDC. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, paper tigers, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, believe in yourselves. Be your own heroes. Grab onto your Doritos and M&Ms, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, wait, wait a second. Don't eat that crap. Don't eat that crap, ladies and gentlemen. You've got the tiger by the tail. With us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, my ninja hound bouncer, the dude dog and terror of the new squirrel order, which is headed up by J.D. Hogafeller. I will let you know, by the way. We'll get into that one day. Also joining us in the second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased, very happy, and I am honored to have Gardner Goldsmith coming on. And he's going to break some things down with us, too. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about, whatever is rolling around in his gigantic brain, I'll get lost in there. So he'll be there to help me get out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been starting the shows lately with the quotes um, about the Federal Reserve, and I, I, I like that habit. I'm going to continue on with it. So here it goes. This is from Lewis Thomas McFadden. When the Federal Reserve Act was passed, the people of these United States did not perceive that a world banking system was being set up here. A super state controlled by international bankers and international industrialists acting together to enslave the world for their own pleasure. Every effort has been made by the Fed to conceal its powers, but the truth is the Fed has usurped the government. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Lewis Thomas McFadden, and I could not have put it better myself. So with that being said, it has been crazy town <laughs> everywhere. We got Trump getting arrested. We got the banking crisis continuing on. We have an interest rate hike today. The Fed, the Fed reared their ugly head, and they, uh, they decided to raise the interest rate by 0.25%. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, their target, they'll play with it, the, you know, to try to appease the markets and people and everything that's going on and everybody that's on their back right now, you know, 0.25. Then they're going to come back and say, well, we have to raise it to, you know, 0.50 next time or however it's going to be. But they're going to five and a half. I heard they were almost raising you know, almost a six is their goal. Five and a half to 6% is their goal by June, July. So, 
with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't be surprised that you're going to see a lot of this. You're going to see a lot of volatility in the market because they react to this. Dow Jones Industrial, I think it dropped uh, like 530 points today, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, just from the news. It was kind of weird because the news came out and nothing happened. I'm, I'm watching it. It dropped like 40 points. I checked it later. Nothing really significant going on. I figured eh, maybe drop 100 points or something by the end of the day. I, later on, I got done working and uh, I look and I'm 530 down. Whoa. So they're not happy. Relative strength of the dollar fell and 10-year yield fell. So those things are, are falling flat on their face. I seen gold went up. Gold went up about 1% off the top of my head, silver right around three. So economically, things are, are moving into shaking because of the interest rate hike, of course. And we know they're going to continue to come because they don't have the right tools to fix inflation. They keep, <laughs> oh yeah, they keep, uh... <laughs> they keep stabbing at the car's motor with a butter knife and they. You know, they think everything can be fixed with their butter knife and it's they, they need more tools. The Keynesian tool bag sucks. Like I always say, they're running out of stuff. Maybe I should let them borrow my torches. What do you think of that? They need my cutting torches, I think. Maybe they can cut themselves out of existence and we'd be, all be a lot better without that disease-redden, infested snake nest of just grubby-minded, just rabbit-infested, download, dirty, stinking varmints. That's what they are. Anyways, back to back to reality here, ladies and gentlemen, what we're dealing with. So it's been a crazy week, and I'm going to kind of break things down. But as I was thinking about doing the show, I kind of I got sidetracked a little bit, and I said, you know, what's my topic going to be? And I was going to kind of preach, and not preach, but, you know, you know, talk about how, like, we're already in a semi-CBDC state with 90% of cash transactions being uh, digital. When I say cash, I'm saying in, in U.S. dollars, okay? Retail U.S. dollar transactions are are digital, 90% of them. 10% of them are with paper. That really blew my face off. I must be dealing with uh, the higher estimate of people because we like to deal in paper. Anyways, um, with that being said, um, so that's, you know, we're already in like a digital, we're already trained and, and what made me think of that was, uh, and, and, and when I started thinking about that, it took me off into a little bit of a different direction with everything. Um, and this is where it took me. It started, It started. I read a book. I'm trying to remember what book it was from. I've read many books in my, my I have an addled mind uh, because of my, my, my past. I'm good now, but, you know, I do my best to remember things and try to focus. And, but, uh, you know, sometimes I'm not good at, pulling things up right away but i'm, I'm I, if, if it comes to me as i tell the story because i've been trying to think of it all day where this came from there there's this farmer let's go back to this and it harkens back ladies and gentlemen to the 1921 uh depression of the farmers that happened in this country a lot of people don't talk about that don't know about that you hear about the great depression this was this preceded the great depression this was you know, we had World War, you know, World, World War One, and the banks were printing money and the, and the farmers were, were, were cranking out food because Russia and the, in the, all Europe needed grain and they needed produce. They needed everything. They need, you know, they didn't meat. They needed livestock. So, you know, our farmers were cranking stuff out. The Fed loved it. You know, I, I wonder how World War One started. Well, it's the, the, the France Duke. 
Oh, Gerald Swente kills me. It was the Grand Duke of uh, Grand Duke Ferdinand of some some nowhere, whatever it was. Anyway, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm in a good mood tonight. I, long day, tired, but uh, when you work hard, you're honest, and you, you know you might get tired, but uh, it makes you joyful. Yeah, I feel like I've accomplished something today. Um, but anyway, so the night back to the 1921 Farmers Depression. They, there was a depression, a Farmers Depression preceding the Great Depression. Never gets talked about. Right. And the farmers, okay, were led into a false insecurity. The whole country was. And the New York banks, they wanted money, right? They were like, hey, we're not getting enough deposits. What's going on here? You know, look at these farmers. They're making all this money. Look at what's going on in the breadbasket. Look at that. This is crazy. You know, we we need to, you know, look at these wild, these, you know, wildcat banks who aren't part of the Federal Reserve System. Look how they're, you know, they're 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 getting all these deposits of these farmers. We want those deposits. How do we make that happen? How do we make that happen? Well, let's extend credit. Let's have the our, our, our brothers in arms, the big banks, basically, a arm of the Federal Reserve. You see my arm right here? My my arm? That is, that is, and this is the Federal Reserve. These are the big banks, okay? Here's another big bank, okay? Some of the smaller banks are the fingers, all right? It's just like, a you know, it, you know, it's got legs. It's got, I don't know what they're made out of. It's some creepy creature that's crawled out of the depths of acid and venom from hell to come suck our souls and enslave us for real anyways so so they're just arms the big banks you know they're the big big banks you know, extended credit the federal reserve extended large amounts of credit to the smaller banks okay who had the farmers as depositors lots of money we're talking back then you know lots of money from what i remember you know back then it was a lot of money the big banks wanted it so they called on the federal reserve to handle this for them you know that's basically like calling this guy to come pick on a bunch of little kids. So that's that's what they did. So the Federal Reserve said, okay, how do we do this? We'll 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 do it like this. Back to the back to the duck story. Remember where we're at. The Federal Reserve and the big banks want the depositors to deposit their money into the big banks. Okay. So they need to create a situation. Back to the farmer, the story of the farmer. So there was a farmer and he lived not too far from a lake. And every year these ducks would come. And the farmer loved the ducks, right? He liked to make omelette du flamange. Okay. He liked to make other duck dishes. You know, he was, uh, he, he, he liked pickled ducks, smoked duck. He liked his duck roasted. He liked it with mashed potatoes. He liked it with sage. He liked it. I like it with rosemary. Not a big fan of duck. Man, real greasy bird. Anyway, so he liked ducks. And these ducks were kind of, they're better than your average duck. He could not shoot these ducks. He couldn't call them in and shoot them. If there was a blind, they wouldn't go near it. No, no, no we're not going in with cannon fire range. No, the ducks knew. General Gosling, <laughs> he must have been in charge. Anyways, we'll get into General Gosling some other time. Anyways, so he couldn't get the ducks, so he, he devised a plan. He started setting corn out for the ducks, and the ducks noticed it, and he, he didn't bother it. He'd stay away, and the ducks would come and eat the corn, okay? He kept doing that, and then all of a sudden, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd appear, and the ducks would see him, be a little leery, go eat the corn, and walk away, okay? No big deal. After a while, the ducks got used to him. So the ducks. You know, we're like, hey, look at this guy. He gives us corn. He's not doing anything. He's just hanging out. No big deal, right? You know, everything's cool. So then this guy says, you know what? I want to keep these ducks because I want to eat duck year round. 
I want a duck dinner once a week. So then he builds a little pin for the ducks. They can come and go as they please. You know, they ducks go, they get they got warmth, they have a place to live, they got this corn that they love to eat, and they don't have to leave. Okay. They don't even got to fly anymore if they don't want to. But the ducks, back to the ducks and the farmer. Now the farmer has the ducks. The corn's been set out. They got used to it. The ducks don't know of their incoming doom. We're a little bit different. We do. Okay. But he has a duck dinner every week. It's perpetual because now he has the ducks used to it. Okay. They don't know any other way to live. Okay. And that's what's going on with our monetary system. I also seen something. It's funny because it's a coincidence. I seen on, on David Knight's show, he played a video of this guy with a chicken house, you know, a uh, chicken coop and, you know, he takes care of chickens and he was explaining the CBDC is right. That was spot on, you know, and I was like, ah, I'm still going to use the duck thing because I, you know, I, th th this is really important to go back to the lesson of 1921. So back to the farmers. So the farmers are buying all this equipment. They got mortgages, they're buying land, they're doing this, they're doing that, right? The banks are loaning them money. Okay, they're getting money at a discount from the discount window, which basically means the cost of, of, of loaning the money and all this other stuff. All right, that, so everybody's fat and happy here. Then all of a sudden, there's a recession. The Fed creates a recession. And I'm not going to get into the logistics and the nuts and bolts of how that happens, how they did that. It's, it's very simple. They, they allowed the market to get flooded. They flooded the market on purpose. They knew the demand after the war was going to go down. They didn't care. They just, just they, they kept going. There was a, um, orchids. I can't remember what country it was. And back in the day, orchids, the same thing happened. They're, these bankers use the same tricks over and over again. This is why I'm telling you this story about the 1921 depression. The bankers use these tricks over and over again. They have the mandrake mechanism where they variate it. And that's what they call it. Okay. I don't know if they call it that anymore, but that's, you know, that, that, that's the moniker that it was called. All right. And the mandrake mechanism, Edward G. Griffith is the duck story. Edward G. Griffith is credit for the duck story. That's where I read that. Um, credit to him. Nice. Well, lots of credit to him. That guy's toenail smarter than me. <laughs> I love that guy. Anyway, um, so the correlation is what I'm trying to say is what's going down is consolidation. What and what what happened back in 1921 was a consolidation of all the smaller banks. They used the smaller banks. They were able to print money. They were able to collect interest on the money. And when the smaller banks failed, they were all collect able to collect all the assets. Okay. Hard assets like land, all right, and all this other stuff. So these other banks, the bigger banks, collected all of this stuff. The bigger banks who are arm of what? The Federal Reserve collected all this stuff, okay? And the Federal Reserve helped them do that. They were the apparatus to do that, you know? It wasn't the bigger banks running the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, you need them, okay? The banks... And the big corporations and the way that everything works right now, the government especially, the bloated Leviathan government, this gigantic whale of a beast, the rotting flesh, the head is falling off of it. The carcass is crawling around on the beach. It's, it's, 
Its eyeballs are bulging. It's barely breathing. Salt water's coming out of its mouth, and it's still flopping around. And it's so big that it can still do damage and make waves. And it's still dangerous. Other countries approach the Leviathan with caution because it might just might twitch a little bit and do something stupid and roll over on them or crush them some way. So we're still big enough to be dangerous, but we're the empire, the rotting empire is coming to a close. And the, the central bankers are aware of this. They're in the middle of a monetary consolidation process. They need to get rid of all the banks that aren't going to go along with this. We're only going to have the big banks. And there's big banks, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be honest with you. I look at this stuff all day long. I don't know every single gigantic bank. We know about Chase and we know about Citibank and we know about Bank of America. I mean, that's just to name a few. So with you know, with that being said, it's can't you can't if you sit there and get into the minutia, then you don't have the energy to to say, hey, look, CBDC is coming. And another thing I want to tell everybody: write your congressman. That's not just baloney. Tell people about this. Get people riled up about this, because now they're starting to talk about it on the news, which we're going to talk about in, in a minute here. But that's something that's going on that we can take advantage of. They're a little late to the game, but hey, let's take what we can get, you know, because with CBDC, we've got to. I say this calls for action and now nip it in the bud. Exactly. And not worry about Trump. (laughs) This election cycle is going to make the tiger all his hair is going to fall out. All his fur is going to fall out. I'm telling you. Anyways, so that's basically the story of of the 19 you know 21 farmers depression it was a consolidation movement that's what they're doing now they've done that before in the past that's how this is how they do things they consolidate everything like i said i said this on the tiger and the snake financial report i think i went off a little bit so I'm, i'm trying to be a little bit more reasonable when i'm talking about it today that's the name of the game if you didn't notice like you notice how like, okay, so they like to consolidate the money supply where only they're the, the, the central banks are the borrowers and lenders of last resort. This central authoritarian way of thinking bleeds into the monetary uh, circles of, inf- you know, of influence. All the people that are, you know, have bazillions of dollars and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're friends with the bankers and, you know, they both, right? So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you can't, you can't, we, we, we've been lost in this, in this myriad of, of connection of central planning. They central plan everything. They consolidate, they consolidate the money. Lender and buyer, lender and borrower of last resort, printer of money, you have to come to me or you die. Okay. It's like us having to breathe. We got to breathe oxygen. You got to have a federal reserve or you can't have any government. Think about that. You can't have any government. You can't have any industry. You can't have any banking. This is what it's come to. You can do nothing on a a scale of civilization in modern civilization without the Federal Reserve or a central bank in any country. It just can't be done. And that's, I hate saying that. That's real. So with that being said, you got, they consolidate. Look what they did with COVID. Look at their plan. Look how they did things. They consolidated everything. Okay. This is what they want to do. Look at their 15-minute city deal. Consolidation. Because we all know when you consolidate something, you can control it easier. I, you know, I'm into environmental controls and stuff. I was 
you know, I have a business that deals in that kind of stuff as well. And to control the environment, the smaller it is, the more consolidated it is, the easier it is control. And that goes from the monetary supply all the way down to the human, the human resource, which is what we are. Because again, without some of us, they really can't exist, right? They, 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 we need them. They've got us in the position where we need them. It goes all the way down and it all is one central power. But the think, the central think, the authoritarian think, spreads down and it's into the government and it's everywhere and the constitution i was with jay the other night and i'm like we don't live in america anymore and we don't the constitution is gone it's not working it stopped working a long time ago we i don't know if you guys if if there, it can be fixed i'm not talking about con con or anything like that i don't think it can i don't think there's a way to fix it there's no way to go back there's no way to go back and it scares that living daylights out of me i'm telling you and that's why i get upset and i lose my cool you know and, and so you know just bear with me when i do that ladies and gentlemen it is out of love and passion and 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 really it, it makes me crazy you know it makes me a little crazy <laughs> it makes me mad you know really quick um i think we got guard coming on in about nine minutes so i'm gonna try to bust bust a move so really quick where was i going with this let's get into uh some CBDC stuff real quick. Um, news. You know I follow it. Check out my sub stack. I just uh, did a sub stack. It's called the DeSantis Lullaby. Angry Tigers newsletter. Check it out. Um, just food for thought. And basically what, what I'm thinking about what's going on with the CBDC and uh, all of a sudden these politicians talking about it. But so we're going to share the screen with you, ladies and gentlemen, really quick. You know me, I'm not gonna <clears throat> I'm not gonna get too too into the headlines, but <clears throat> excuse me. Musk's US presidential bet urges CBDC ban suggests its government's way to surveil control citizens. So I, I would agree with Musk's assessment. I you know I don't trust Musk, the guy who is Beelzebub for Halloween. Uh, does not uh, really inspire trust in the angry tiger. When the, tri the tiger definitely smells something wrong, and he does not like it, not one little bit. Anyways, so Beelzebub says, <laughs> the son of Beelzebub says, he thinks it's, you know, the government's way to surveil and control. I'm sure he'll come up with something much better. All right, and the reason I brought this up is because basically this is in the news all over the place now. And um, DeSantis came out with it and said, hey, you know, uh, we're going to change the, the laws and the, uh, what was it, the commercial banking or the commercial something. I covered it the other night here. But yeah, they're going to change the laws. And he's against the CBDC, which is great. So now Republicans are that, that, that's in their ear, maybe, if it didn't get marginalized, if we ever hear about it again, which, which hopefully we do. Okay, so he might talk about it again. There's a bunch of congressmen and senators talking about it. Okay. Um, this guy. This guy. Look at this guy. Look at him. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I don't know what to say. But this guy, the only thing that this guy has in his brain is himself and the only thing he has in his mouth is shit and honey ted cruz's mouth is full of shit and honey 
And that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. So Ted Cruz, oh, now let me tell you, I want to talk about the CBDC. And I want to tell everybody, even though I'm not from Texas and I fake my accent, that the CBDC is come to you, spy on you. And it's from the Democrats. And it is very much a bad thing. And I do not like this CBDC. Now, some of you will say, well, Ted, why don't you like the CBDC? This guy, like I said, his mouth is full of shit and honey. To call him a jackass is an insult to donkeys, and I won't do that. But now, all of a sudden, oh, all of a sudden, everybody, welcome to the party. Welcome to the CBDC party. We've only been here, I don't know, two, three years talking about this stuff. I'm glad you guys finally realized it might be a threat to us, an imminent threat. Now that the government and MIT and Amazon and the SWIFT and Brit and everyone else in the whole world and every central bank has a program, okay, to run the CBDC on us. Thank you very much. I find myself growing fatigued, doctor. I am growing fatigued. I'm glad that they're coming at us with this. They're, they're talking about it, okay? So now, instead of the Great Reset, okay, Trump and JFK running for president and vice president, all right, um, the snake venom vaccine, okay, and the snake venom in the water, okay, and what was the other one I seen the other day? Some, some Q thing. I don't know. Some nonsense Q thing that... I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think the UFO aliens are coming. Jesus is with them and they're, they're all on Trump's side. So everybody just hold on, you know, Trump's coming back. That's, that's where they're at. All, you know, maybe some of these people will get wind of the CBDC and for one second, get their noses out of nonsense world and say, Oh man, this might be important. Maybe I should start reposting it. And maybe, you know, once all that happens, the Cambridge Analytica people go to their congressmen, you know, there's levels of that, right? Everybody has, you know, I guess what would they call them? Political sciences, people who look at what, you know, what's going on, social engineers, whatever you want to call them, marketing, uh, uh, election, uh, what do they call those election? I wish guard was here. He could help me out with this, you know, uh, election advisors, people who run their elections. What's the aggregate saying? Let's get one of our AIs out there and see what all the conservatives think on Facebook. Oh, they're talking about CBDC. Oh, they're, this is how they are. They're, they're going on what their talking platforms are, ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. by gleaning stolen information that, you know, a lot of the problem is, is we volunteered it. We're back, back. We're already there. We're already slave mindset. Even people like us. Well, we got to play the game. We got to get in. We got to try to get the word out. So let's join the social media, which we know is a slave mindset, which we know we're giving them our information, which we know we're giving them our thoughts, our feelings, our words. We know where they're going with all this. Yet we do it anyway. Even us. Even us. And then we go around going, "Oh, look at the fucking dumb Lord. Look at the dumb normies. Look how stupid they are. Look at the people." But we have to do it too. Why? Because we're trapped in this. We can't get out. There's no way out. We're stuck because we got morons like him whose mouths are full of shit and honey and they're not representing us they're telling us what they want to hear and people are buying it stuffing doritos in their face drinking beer watching football or watching q okay the ones that are politically involved being larping being special agents and it's driving me nuts it's driving me totally insane 
ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, it makes my head want to explode and it makes it's, it's burning my face. It's going to burn your face right off. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I think I, I need, I need some good energy in here. And I, I heard that somebody is coming to town. I think I let everybody know that Gardner Goldsmith is coming. And uh, I'm extremely excited about that. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to add him to the stream. And I'm going to introduce him. Ladies and gentlemen, a beacon of knowledge, an island unto himself of liberty. Some say he has Spock's brain. Indeed, a source of energy for all who consume his informational vibe of freedom and self-determination. Ladies and gentlemen, the galactic warrior of liberty, freedom, and free think. A nightmare to authoritarians across the galaxy. Ladies and gentlemen, Gardner Goldsmith. Gardner, Greetings. what's happening? Welcome to the program, dude. Boy, that got me back in a good mood really quick. Hey, man, you got a smile on my face, Tiger. Thanks so much. This is great. I love your intros. You are the man, and you're bringing the hardball energy on this, man. Thank you so much. And when I say hardball, I don't mean Chris Matthews level. Thinking. You're like, <laughs> or, or Chris level Matthews level ethics. You got real ethics. You got real thinking. Thanks, man. And you've been covering some very important items, uh, especially when you look at uh, resource reallocation at rock, rock bottom prices. Bach Rodham prices. Yeah. Thanks to the, of course, boom bust cycle that is inspired by central banking, whether it's done by the federal government or it's done by a government cartel banking system. Right. Exactly. And that, that that's what that's what really kills me about all this guard is that they use the same thing over and over. That that yeah. makes me very angry. Say you say you're Okay, just from like this point of view, I'm going to go real base level with everybody. You're a street hustler, right? And you got a you got a scam, you got a game. Like, say you sell fake drugs or something, right? Yeah. And I'm giving this example because we all know where this leads, right? If you're smart, say okay. you work for Moderna or Pfizer, fake drugs, <laughs> right? Something really right. dangerous but, out on the streets. So you're selling fake drugs to drug addicts, right? Yeah. And sooner or later, they figure out that you're selling fake drugs to them, and you end up with a crowbar sticking through your head. Okay, this is just a real base example. I hate to say it. So so that doesn't work in the real world. And it frustrates me to no end that the, the central banks and the governments and the, the, the it, like I said, it trickles down. It's an yeah. authoritarian central think. And these bag of tricks, I don't know if they're inherited, if they're all they're all in on it or they just watch and learn kind of like we do and say, oh, I'm going to use that trick. But nobody says, hey. Look, they're using the same trick over and over again. You know, how come they're not getting the crowbar stuck in their head? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of liken it to, you know, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones world of Westeros. The people who are always working, they always have a job, are the bankers, the people who have the gold. They're the ones who are running the show. They're the ones who fund all the different kingdom, kingdoms in order to be able to pay their knights and armor their their knights and armor their horses and all these different types of things, you know, to run the governments. And uh, and so whether George R.R. R. Martin uh, looked at history the way that so many people who get involved with banking and politics could look at history and see that this is a pattern that gives advantages to the people who can get the political favors and get the politically focused form of currency in their favor. I don't know, you know, whether he just spontaneously said, 
I think it'll probably be the bankers. And he thought of it himself or he looked at history. I don't know. But it's the same sort of mindset. We just don't know the people who are involved with this, you know, ridiculous scheme and multi-generational debt instruments that are then fed by the central banking cartel. Um, we don't know, you know, whether they're given their, those recommendations from their grandparents and the Rockefeller clan and the Rothschilds, you know, whether they, they have a, a lovely picnic and everybody's in slow-mo and they're all having watermelon and playing darts and stuff, you know, <laughs> grass darts. And it's like, oh, this is almost like a pharmaceutical commercial. Everybody's happy. It's the Rockefellers plotting the world, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it was interesting because I was looking today, uh, Tiger, at some information um, that was on uh, uh, this guy Rubino's uh, Substack, And he was talking about how the weekly swaps that the banks do to, you know, make sure that they're in balance and so on, which are all based on, of course, the Fed funds rate. Um, The Fed now is going to engage in daily, daily swaps with international banks. Yes, I heard that. I, it just blows my mind. I mean, it's and I, I like it. It's a level up, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And it's because they can't keep up. They can't keep track of this. They, 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 they literally are on the treadmill and it's going faster and faster. And they're not like six mil. They're not bionic. They're going to fall, <laughs> no. you know. And um, and the thing that gets me about it is, you know, in fact, I, I just, you know, finished doing my show a little bit earlier. Reminded me a lot of this Doctor Who story called The Talons of Wang Chiang. And the guy who wrote it was a dude named Robert Holmes. And he had a lot of libertarian themes in his shows that he wrote for Doctor Who. And it was the golden era of Doctor Who when Tom Baker was there. And that was an era when they explicitly said the doctor has a long association with libertarian causes. And that term libertarian hadn't even been around for a decade at that point. So that was a pretty big deal that they slid in there. Wow. yeah, so Talents of Wang Chiang is essentially about this guy who's a time traveler and he's stuck in Victorian London in the Whitechapel region. It's sort of a Jack the Ripper type Sherlock Holmes motif. And um, and he's he, he traveled back in time from the year 35,000 and it's causing his DNA to fall apart. And the only thing that keeps him going is the kidnapping of women off the streets, women of the of the evening, as they call them. And he distills their life essence into this energy. But the but when he does it, it makes his decomposition actually occur faster. It gives him a little boost, but then the, de- the decay ramps up. And this is what happens with central banking. That there's nothing they can do about it. No. It, it was a, basically it was a metaphor to central banking, I think. And to uh, the uh, British Empire, which was starting to, you know, fall apart at that time, or getting close to it. You know, he's Jack the Ripper, isn't he? In that episode, he's got yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah he's that's, like that's Jack. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. No, that yeah, sounds really a, cool. He he sends a proxy out to do the stuff. He sends this uh, Chinese magician guy who thinks he's a god, and uh, it's it's a great great story. It's really cool. No, and, that's uh, that's a yeah. perfect analogy though for central banking card. You, you, you know, and everybody, you know, I stay on them. Because they do a lot, number one. And this is the thing. I'm, I, you know, I, I have to say this. Maybe I'm saying this because, because it's the way I look at things or I don't know. But as the banking crisis was unfolding here the last week or so, I stayed on top of it. You, got, you did an excellent job covering that, dude, oh, by the thanks, way. Man. Everybody did. All, everyone. Tony. Yeah, you know, David, everyone oh, did yeah. an excellent job covering this banking crisis. Yeah. And you guys didn't do this too much, but in the mainstream media and other alt media and even us, because it's a complicated subject, 
we take things for granted. We take things that we know already for granted. And we do that on a level that's not malicious. I think we do it when uh, unconsciously, you know, a lot of times. I think a lot of our listeners know this stuff. I think some of them do, some of them don't. Or some of them get it kind of, but not really. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, so through this whole thing, I'm watching what was going on. And I, you know, I'm like, man, there's a lot to this. The FDIC is involved, the insurance, you know, the fractional reserve banking. I've heard that coming up now and then. And really right now we don't even have fractional reserve banking. It's zero reserve banking. But yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm looking yeah. at all that and I'm like, <clears throat> do people understand, <clears throat> excuse me, what's really going on? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I boiled it down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't like giving people wrong information. I'm boiling it down again the way Angry Tiger likes to do simply. I'm watching a consolidation go on. I just talked about how the banks consolidated in 1921 with the farmers' depression, just before the Great Depression really started. You know, and the way, you know why they did it. You know, they got all the depositors, they got all the assets. It was the big banks won. What are the big banks? An arm of the central bank, right? So, banking yeah. apparatus caused, you know, in my in my mind, the Great Depression. Not only doing that, but a lot of other shenanigans. You know, that went on. Yeah. But it was a consolidation. And everything that they do, even the authoritarians, the way they think when they did COVID, they consolidated us. They always want to consolidate everything because consolidation is a way to control. Right. So they're right now. Yes, they're doing all this crazy stuff, but they're consolidating. There's going to be a few big banks. I don't know how many ones. And and like I I said earlier, there's banks. We don't know their names and they're they're big banks like Chase. And we don't even know their names. I guarantee it. You know, so there's going to be a, a handful of big banks running everything, and they need to do that for the CBDC. And yeah. like you said, the decay—they know it's coming. They have to shift. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and yeah, and I think I think there are two forces at play here. Um, in in a way, so you have the political prostitutes who might not be as long-term thinking and might be. Uh, not as systemically thinking as as many of the people who are involved with the central banking plans and the larger scale thinkers, the longer term thinkers are, are thinking about um, about uh, assets and property and uh, things like that. Uh, they're thinking about getting into political power, playing favorites with the people who have to get attached to the teats, according to the welfare state, which has grown and grown, getting more areas involved with the welfare state. In, in other words, growing the government. And so those people who are involved with the central banking cartel and those forces, they know the nature of the state. They know the state has to appeal to people, has to try to hand out favors to people, has to hand out welfareism to people. So they know that they've got a ready-made consumer there in a way of their money. And again, you know, whether it's uh, the Federal Reserve that would be doing this or it's the central government that does this, as, as we mentioned, you go back to ancient Rome, the politicians in ancient Rome would call back the coins, they'd shave silver off the coins, then they'd send those same coins out and claim they were worth the same amount. That was fractional fiat currency right there, but it was done by the government and not a particular bank. So it wouldn't matter because the incentive for the politicians is that they can't tax enough in order to pull in all the people they want to make love them. Right. So they really are political prostitutes. And and it is sort of analogous to a prostitute and John uh, and pimp type situation up to a point, because the prostitutes will be used by the pimp. The pimp will pull in whatever, you know, is going to be given back to the pimp at a certain point. But it goes beyond that because the pimp, when the prostitute becomes a drug addict, 
and you know is no longer useful and they kick the prostitute to the curb the prostitute doesn't have anything more to give to that person and by kicking the prostitute to the curb they're not going to get necessarily the property of the prostitute's sister or the property of the prostitute's brother or whatever the you know prostitute might have built up in in uh, savings or something like that it's possible but it's not going to be as obvious maybe the prostitute hit it or something like that but when you look at what the polit political prostitutes do and of course the corporate prostitutes and the banking prostitutes and all the others who build these assets up through this network of banks that are connected to the federal reserve and now directly as i as i said to tony last week you know i was just speculating live while tony and i were talking and we were we were talking a little bit about this about how look you know i i have a feeling since yellen had claimed that the taxpayer wasn't going to be on the hook for this i bet the money's going to come from the federal reserve and sure enough that's exactly what they're doing. The Fed is going to give it either to the FDIC, to the FDIC, which will then hand it to the banks, or they're going to give it directly to the banks because, as we mentioned, in 2020 with the CARES Act, they put a provision in it that allows the Fed to buy the bonds of any corporation they want, and they don't have to say a single word to anybody. So that was the door right there. And the minute I heard Yellen say, oh, no taxpayer money will be put up for this. Well, first of all, $26 billion of taxpayer money will be put up for this as collateral, as a backstop. That's going to be done through the FDIC. That's part of their new schema. And in addition to that, they're going to be doing this through the Fed. So all this time, just like you're saying, all this time, through the inflation fiat currency fractional reserve system, and you are very astute to bring it bring up that point again. For the longest time, it was 10%. Then they lowered it down to 0% that they even had to have on, on hand. So all these banks are over leveraged. They are also invested in what everybody says is such a safe bet, the U.S. Treasury, which the 10-year 10, 10 Treasury, once you get the, the rate mismatch, they flip. So the short-term treasury now is selling at a better amount than the long-term treasury. Yes. Long-term treasuries, they've got no assets left except the so-called loans that they've given out to people, and those loans they can't call back. The yield so curve's can't. upside down right exactly. now. You hit the nail exactly. on the head. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. And I've been watching that. I've been keeping my eye on the bond yield curve because the bond yeah. market will tell you what is going on. And today, you know, it dropped, and yeah. the, the relative strength of the dollar fell pretty hard too today so yeah because they've got no room to move what are they no. going to do they're going to raise it by by you know 25 basis points a quarter of a percent right well they're going to do that where else are they going to go because if they raise it any higher the bonds again they've already dropped the bonds are going to drop so exactly. what can they do they have to inflate they've got to inflate and this this guy rubino's report over at substack is excellent because he shows from january through to March 6th, and then all yep. of a sudden, March 6th, $300 billion of liquidity going back into the system. I I, I, I actually uh, subscribe to him, and actually, Gregory Manorino's on this stuff, too. He's all over yeah. it. You know? Yeah, he's that, good. Those guys are great. You know, they're both, they're both kind of in the same arena, yeah. um, saying the same thing. There's a debt market crisis. There's a debt bubble going on. And if yeah. they stop yeah. printing the money, the bubble bursts in simple terms. And when yeah, so but, bursts, but I just want I just want to bring up a little bit more of that speculation because, you know, one of the things that's very interesting here is we, you know, during the boom period, when when the central bank is flooding the zone with money, when the politicians are spending tons of money, everybody's booming like the 20s and so on. You saw this in Weimar, Germany, as I mentioned, 
F. Paul Wilson's great novella, Aftershock, uh, not Aftershock, Arians and Absinthe, which I hope to send you a copy and get you to be one of the readers for this in a segment. But rather than chapter breaks, he has these breaks that show the difference between the German Weimar mark and the U.S. dollar. And the mark keeps dropping. Yeah, those are the chapter breaks. And the monster in it, just a little spoiler thing, is inflation. It is right. brilliant. It's genius. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely would like to. Get oh, into yeah. It's it's super cool. It's a great, great story. And so he never overtly, you know, comes out with any sort of monster or anything. But there's this subtle hint of evil, and it's it comes from this particular character who is very, very aware of what inflation does and what central banking does. And this is the thing that gets me is during that period, you saw a lot of misallocation of funds, right? You saw a lot of investment in really dumb stuff. Like they had the German uh, dancing places and all these discotheques that started to rise and all the cafes and all the weird art that came out of Germany at the time, the avant-garde art and stuff like that. All that stuff then later picked up by the cultural Marxists and brought into the United States, the CIA picking up a lot of this stuff. But what's really interesting is at the same time, these people who are going to garner assets see a lot of these things created that shouldn't have been created. A lot of trees are going to be cut down to build houses that shouldn't have been built. A lot of bricks are going to be made to build buildings that shouldn't have been built. So these guys can then get all that stuff that is built with this easy liquidity. It rises up and then boom, it crashes. Who's got the money to bid on it? The people connected with the central banks. They're the ones who get it. Exactly. And that's, you know, like I said, I worked in a, at a, um, an auction house in the early nineties when the, the housing bubble that was created by the FDIC increasing its insurance to a hundred thousand per, uh, per, um, uh, depositor that burst. And I was watching condos that originally sold for 175,000. They were going for 45,000. I saw one guy buy three condos at one auction at one time. I believe it. It was insane. He got, no, he I bought believe- one from his mom, one for himself, and one as an investment. Well, you know, 2008, people forget about that. A lot of people got hurt. A lot of people got devastated. And you still see some of the effects. You'll still run into people today who you know, oh, I, you know, 2008 happened and I'm not, I, you know, I never recovered from it, you yeah. know, and yeah. it, it's a shame. And, what what's scary is people aren't ready for what's coming now, right? No. Well, we're we're in. I believe that we're going to live through a lifestyle change, guard, because of the the inflation. You know, who knows what's going to happen with the petrodollar? You got the BRICS nation. There's so much uncertainty there that I, you know, I, I think people really need to prepare the, their souls and their selves and their families for a lifestyle change. Of you're not going to be living so high on the hog, I guess to put it, you know. Yeah. And I think I think uh, I'm, I've been thinking more about this. I heard David this morning. Uh, he overtly mentioned it. And uh, but I think it's been sort of implied in a lot of what David has done. Uh, he's overtly mentioned it a number of times. Tony has mentioned it. You've mentioned it. Jason's brought it up. I think very clearly what's going to happen. Uh, and um, David was talking about it as he looked at the way that the, the Fed is starting up this wholesale digital um, currency uh, idea, Fed Now. Yeah, you know? Fed Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I should have brought that up on my show tonight because the way they're rolling this in, and David said, you know, today, he's a wise dude. And he's like, yep, they're, they're bringing it in fast. They're moving fast because I, you know, you don't want to sound doom, doom and gloom to people. But if you look at the way uh, Mexico, for example, just asked for entrance to the BRICS, 
they want to join the BRICS, right? Yeah. So they are going to be Saudi Arabia's drop on the dollar. Saudi Arabia and Iran are are now uh, joining the BRICS together yep, too. Yep. Yeah. Hey, hey let me ask you a question, Guard. I don't mean to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. I was unable. I was going to bring that on the show tonight, but I was unable to confirm it. I only had one source, and it was kind of fishy. You mean Were about- you able to confirm that Mexico applied for BRICS nation? Uh, you know what? Uh, let me do a quick search. I saw that on Twitter and I want to I'm just see... curious because I, I, I was, yeah. I looked really hard. Yeah. I saw, I saw it on Twitter too. And then when I got into the, 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 you know, the roots of it, I yeah. couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Let me I see if I can find it. Okay. Yeah. You'll but, you see know, the, the theme of the show, what, what I've been pounding since my show started is, you know, I, I want, I want to, you know, CBDC for sure mm-hmm. is basically, you know, when I hear that. And that's been the theme of the show, Guard, because it's the first day of the show. The Fed now, about a week and a half ago, I think I did a Tiger and Snake financial report because I watched that CBDC stuff like a hawk. Yeah. You know, that's their biggest scheme right now, right? That's their next – because they're the fourth turning's coming. They're going to change the species of currency. And they think that that's going to work. This is the – they're, they're – their minds are rotting. They're frothing at the, the mouth rabidly, mentally, intellectually with greed. It's blinding them, guard, because this this old order that they have of banking, I don't think they I don't think they see what's going on in the world or they think they're gonna be able to somehow withstand it or they have a plan like maybe Joe Skelton says, I don't know about they're gonna start a war. Who knows? Yeah. But they, what are they doing? It's just like Man, dude, I don't. I, I didn't mean yeah. to blow your, your your head off with that. But. No, man, no. Um, um, yeah. And by the way, before I answer that, I do see a couple. Looks like pretty solid, larger scale news reports. Okay, Times cool. Live. Uh, yep. Looks like uh, bricks by bricks. Uh, the headline says uh, this month Mexico applied to become a member of BRICS. Wow. So yep. Um, and they also I I forgot um Argentina applied Indonesia. Yep. Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, the United States, you know, we, I, I've never faced anything like this in my life before. And so it's, it's difficult to sort of get a handle of it, knowing that you've got an audience, knowing you've got a friend you're talking to here because it's, it's total terra incognita for me. You know, um, I'm looking at what the United States is doing and it just makes no sense to me, you know. So I'll give you an example. I was talking about it on the show earlier. Um, the people at Redacted got a hold of a Rand document in which a guy who was working at Rand had speculated that if the United States could start up conflict between Russia and Ukraine and get Europe involved with it, they could crash the European economy and bolster the dollar for a little while longer. Because the dollar, of course, would look relatively stronger compared to the euro. But with what the Fed is now doing, and it's going to be pumping money into European banks. Wiping that, that gain out. Yeah, that just that just destroys that whole theory. So I don't understand it. Um, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I really think that what they're planning to do is they're, they're going to intentionally crash the U.S. economy. And I think they're going to try to roll out through the they're going to do it through the banks. They're going to pick off using the fake PCR test like approach to say, "Okay, bank, you've got assets in crypto. Well, we don't call that an asset. You don't have an asset. We're we're claiming that X, Y and Z are assets. And they're the ones who are going to get our bailouts, not you. 
So it's going to make it very difficult to actually see what is really happening behind the scenes. I think that's the way they're going to they're going to pull it. And they'll use that Fed now thing to backstop what they're going to try to do to support these banks. I don't know whether people are going to accept some sort of digital currency, but um, I think if you look at what Ron DeSantis did, it's going to take federalism to fight that. And I don't know whether enough governors, whether enough politicians in various state legislatures are going to be willing to separate from the federal welfare teat. Right. Because they can't balance their books in the states because they are John and prostitutes as well. They, they're prostitutes the same way that the federal politicians are prostitutes. They can't disconnect from the guy who's given them the stuff. They can't right. do it. So I don't know. Uh, it, it The only thing that I can say is, you know, it, it often sounds like, well, you got to prepare for doom and gloom or whatever. But I think we got to get ready. And uh, we have to understand that these guys, they're going to do anything they can to prolong this war between Russia and Ukraine. They're going to use it as an excuse the way Stalin used World War II as an excuse. And it partially justified with what, you know, terrible things were happened to to uh, Russia during World War II. But Stalin was a bloodthirsty mass murderer way beyond Hitler. And uh, he used World War II as an excuse for many of the uh, um, wrongs that he was instituting against people in Russia. And I think that's what Biden that's the that's the game book by which Biden is playing right now. Right. No, you're 100 percent correct, dude. 100 percent correct. And, you know, this is the thing. If like you said, if you look at history, because that's where I try to like what's going on. And then I go, who I look back in history. Right. Hmm. And compare it. Right. We do that all the time, I think, I, you know, to, to help us figure things out. There's nothing in history like this with the petrodollar, all these fiat currencies everywhere, okay? You got basically oil still. The, the If you think about commodity, that's the commodity that drives the planet. So yeah. the dollar that that is, you know, the, the monetary system that is favored to buy oil in can be the reserve currency. That's where we're at with this nonsense. And we have a, the whole world angry at us because we've been a bully and poking everybody in the eye okay and now we got this BRICS thing the you know the the, the BRICS nations building up which you know we've been hearing about this for years how long have we been we've been preaching about this and you know what people say to us oh you've been telling us about inflation and about the BRICS nations and all this other stuff for years when's it going to happen i hear that from conservatives all the time you ron paul types you know it's happening right now no yeah. you can't it if you read the, again the human action, you can't predict everything because stuff happens. Right. You can get an idea, but you can't predict it, and that's the only thing. Again, there's no reason to despair, guard. I mean, I know it's a lot dark. It's, it's dark. We are ants fighting a steamroller, right? But this is the thing. We're nimble. Okay, <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, good Here's point. The thing. They can't account. Central planners suck. Look at how they look at their history. Look how they do. They suck. They can't account for the natural and the human action and the real world that happens around, which they try to manipulate like they try to manipulate everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they can't do it. So there is hope. There is, you know, there's there. You never know what and I think. I think, Tiger, one of the things that I, I would really love to see here would be, uh, again, you know, when you talk about being nimble and decentralized, one of the key things that I'd like, like to bring up as I bring up the David Knight pen uh, is, 
Yeah, is um, I think, you know, and David actually brought this up a little bit today uh, on his program, uh, looking at, uh, or it might have been David, I think it was David, um, uh, brought up the opening of that region in Anwar uh, up in Alaska to, um, to ConocoPhillips. Um, the, the ConocoPhillips deal uh, was not as much as originally the federal government said they were going to get, but they didn't have to do any of it necessarily right and so a lot of people are speculating as to whether or not biden did that because he did it as a as a backstop some sort of an emergency measure seeing what iran and saudi arabia are starting to do what mexico is starting to do mexico has great oil resources i think one of the best things that we could do i don't think i don't think that's why biden did it i think biden did it in order to placate some of these people who might be giving money to the democrats for elections and I think that clearly on the surface, it looks like he kowtowed. But really, when you dig down into it, he really didn't. They actually reneged on what was supposed to be a much bigger deal with ConocoPhillips. But that being said, what I'd like to see happen would be that decentralization concept again um, instituted in the form, in, uh, you know, rationalized or instituted in the form of decentralization for resources, because those areas that the federal government now claims to control, like Alaska and large swaths of Nevada, large swaths of Utah, all throughout Arizona and New Mexico, all over the place, Washington state, those areas are not constitutionally sanctioned to be run by the federal government. So if right. the people, yeah, if the people in those states could get their legislatures to actually open up their constitutions, and again, coming from an anarchist here, right? I'm a voluntary. No, I get it. I'm right there on your train, dude. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. got me on that train. <laughs> exactly. I mean, imagine if California, if the if a California had a governor that said, "Hey, you know those oil derricks next to the next to the 410? You know, uh, let's get them going again." Uh, right. private property. If you, if you screw up and you screw up somebody's land downstream from you, that's, that's your deal. Private insurance government's out of it. It's private property. Same thing with Alaska. The local people in Alaska wanted that Conoco Phillips thing going, right? They know it's going to be good for them. They, right. and, and even, even the, where they'd be drilling, it's not even that bad environmentally, right? It's a heck of a lot better to have a pipeline and to have people drilling on land than to have oil coming over in shipments in giant tankers like the Valdez that can sink and be pumping oil out for decades, right? Yep. So, and you know, and you can shut it down if there's sabotage. You can break it down, this sort of thing. You can reconstruct. So this is the sort of thing that I would like to see. And I think what we're seeing right now, Tiger, is, is we're seeing a manifestation. We're seeing the physical hot war manifestation of the not so physical, not recognized long-term war against us being able to choose the money that we want. When political figures get in the way of individuals wow. making free choice, it gets wow. worse and worse and worse and worse until it manifests either because you've got trade disputes like in Star Wars, it was a trade dispute that led to this potential battle that then saw Senator Palpatine ask for emergency powers because yep. the very trade barriers that he helped put up were the ones that inspired the other people to say, hey, you're screwing up. And they made them look like bad guys with a false flag. It's that sort of thing because they got to protect their monetary hegemony. They will get people addicted they will block people from being able to actually engage in their own in their own monetary uh, systems with private banking that would actually allow us to ask, what do you have in reserve? 
I wouldn't take a dollar of uh, a, a, a note from you if it was from, you know, bank. I've got zero percent in reserve. Right. Right. I wouldn't do that because no. I couldn't I couldn't take it in and get the gold. So all these things, when they wage war against our choices, it ends up leading to a physical manifestation of war. You, know, you just can't get around it. Guard. You know what you just did, basically, as you explained, and, and you just gave a, a pristine example of, okay, the things that are out of their control, look at what they've created. Look at what they, and it seems that way always. Not the government, the central banks, they create these things, whether knowingly or not, a lot of them knowingly, and then the things they don't know that they create. And well, they, they, you know, yeah, they yeah. have no idea this is going to happen. It's not part of their plan, and it's some horrendous side effect. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was I was distracting from your point. That's a great, great point, and I was I was diverging a little bit from that. Yeah, please continue with that because that's I loved when you brought that up a couple minutes ago, and then you just bringing it up again because they can't. And and I, I think what happens is it's sort of like you know you talk about AI, right? Um, they there are there are various forces. I, I you can't a lot of people who look at like uh, you know conspiracy theories and so on. They can say, oh, it's all been planned from the start. You can't escape it. There are very large plans. Now yes. I've discovered it. I recognize it. But this is exactly what they do. They take in actions from people that can't be predicted. And yeah. they have a lot of different contingencies. And they see which one's working, which one isn't working. And then they use that. And they build and build and build. It's the nature of the state to grow. Yes. The question is, what will those short-term growths lead to for the long-term attachments that these guys want? Right? Exactly. Exactly. And the, the problem is, is in that, in that, that in, in it's insidious guard. It, it is a bowl of evil, a bowl of greed, a bowl of, you, you, you mentioned the politicians earlier. You know what? I'm going to start calling them from now on my, on my show. They're the garbage eaters because all they are is the rotten recipients of the rotten empire of the rotten fiat currency. They, they're probably, they don't even know the stuff that we're talking about. Most of them. We got guys like Thomas Massey. I'm going to give a lot of guys yeah. credit. You know, yeah, a guy like point. that. You know, he's awesome. He understands it. He's, he's he's standing there in the garbage with all these garbage eaters, and he's got to be like, man, I want to – geez, old pizza. I don't know how he stands it. But this is the thing. These people don't care about us. It's so rotten. Every, yeah. And they know how that all works. And now I wonder if they're not going to get the AI to be like, you know, make some plans for us with the new world order. We, you know, I'm just playing around here a little bit, but yeah, make some plans for it. And that's the bad thing, you know. Before all this AI hysteria, making fun of ChatGPT, yeah, it's funny and it's dumb. But I remember reading studies a couple of years ago where AI algorithmic thinking it can tell the future to a certain extent, very close by gathering information mm. it can gather information on a level that we cannot comprehend and then make a decision based on that information now we're seeing it's 80 percent incorrect or whatever from what they're saying mm. but you know gambling houses don't not allow ais you know and make sure that you you're not using an ai for no reason right yeah yeah right good point yeah um so so think I'm, I'm curious what do you think tiger because Okay, so we saw some moves over the past couple of weeks in the banking banking system where they are solidifying things, they are consolidating things, and we saw um, there was this senator from Oklahoma um, who was asking Janet Yellen straight on, 
saying, so are you going to bail out the small bank deposits the way you bailed out the big bank deposits? And she said, you know, she just said, we have a uh, decision making process by which I and people from the FDIC and the president and the Federal Reserve, we get together and we decide if we think there is systemic risk for uh, what did she, what did she call it? Contagion. And that that's what actually clued me into yeah. the way that they're going to do it like a PCR test because yeah. it's, it's fake. It's bogus. They'll decide what the contagion risk factor is. And you can bet that if they don't like the assets you got, which could be very good assets like crypto, you're out. You're screwed and they will shut you down. So my question is, and I think, you know, a guy like Tony Arterburn, uh, somebody like Kenzie, um, of course, from Wise Wolf, you know, people who deal in crypto like to see how difficult it becomes for them if these moves start um, and if there are going to be other if people must already be getting ready. You know, there must already be uh, people involved with crypto who are going to be setting up ways to try to circumvent some of these banks that could be targeted by the by the FDIC and the Fed. So, because you know, like I said, even though they're real assets, They'll call, they'll, they will, they'll claim that they're not real assets and they'll shut them down, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, I, I actually wish I was invested in, in rubles right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. You know, you know guard the, the crypto thing. I hold some crypto. Um, I've played with it for a couple of years now. I don't, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, we don't give financial advice, by the way, now that we're talking about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but this is my thing with the crypto. They're not going to let us have it. I said this the other day, you know, and I said it in a very, you know, it was very spicy way I said it. They're not going to let us have crypto. They let us play with crypto, I think. I'm, I'm just going to say it, you know, and, 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 and I'm not saying anybody's wrong, you know, anybody other's opinion. I, I'm probably, I could be wrong, most likely am. But they let us play with the crypto. I don't think the guy that invented it was in on some conspiracy, but they're like, oh, look at this. And I liked it because, the intrinsic value was there was only so much of it. And we said that it had value. And then, you know, so I don't like the crypto though, because it's not redundant. All they have to do is I hear people say, well, yeah, you know, no electricity, no crypto. And that's right. You can have your crypto on it, you know, a hard disk, right. Or on a, on a USB flash drive. Okay. You've got your crypto. That's cool. How do you download it? All right. And then if no banks at all will deal with crypto, how are you going to ever, ever redeem anything for it? Well, maybe you'll go redeem some gold and silver. How easy is that going to be when all they have to do is make it so you can't do that? That's, we know they can do yeah. it. That's just where I was going. Yep, you'll have to go that's to some exactly. Website in Ukraine to get your crypto. Exactly. Every pattern, every pattern that you bring up with crypto, you could also repeat for any other asset, whether it's salt or it's gold or silver or whatever. And I'll, I'll bring up the example. You, you're, this is so funny, man. It's, it's like you're my brother. It's so wild, like talking to you because uh, I have these same sorts of conversations in the family. And because, nice. yeah, so my grand, my granddad on my mom's side, um, back when Roosevelt demanded everybody turn in their, their gold, he said, screw you. And I've mentioned this once before on, on a broadcast with some folks, but, uh, yeah, um, he, it, it was probably on my show, I think, but, um, anyway, so he didn't turn in his gold. They kept their gold later in the seventies when gold shot up, my mom had to sell some of the gold when it went to like 800 bucks an ounce. 
So she was that kept us afloat for a while because my dad was out of a job and stuff like that. So that was really a very beneficial thing. Um, but this is the thing, you know, I think I think the problem is how much exposure do you have? You know, and this gets me into thinking if you can keep your margins low and you're not prominent as a trader and you can keep your expenses low, then you probably can trade in any of the banned stuff because you're not trading trading huge amounts. Right. Right. If you start to get prolific with it, that's when they're going to you're going to pop up on their radar. And um, so I think that that that's one of the problems that I find is, you know, to me, the most portable, easily fungible, hideable item is a coin or some piece of metal. Right. Yeah. And if you want to store it, you can store it. You can tape it behind piping in your house. So if, if cops come in, they can't detect it someplace. It's in with the metal piping. If you have metal piping and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of different things you can do, you know. Um, so. There are ways you can try to do that, but you have to be able to get access to it. And, you know, it's not going to burn. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. So the, but the problem there is and you could you could even hypothetically, let's say you owned a bunch of land. Now, that's a little more high profile because the land is visible to the government of that area or that state, you know, the town or the state. So they're going to try to tax you. You're going to try to get it. But you could clandestinely, clandestinely sell plots of the land if it was farmable land and use that. If you had large enough area, you could use that tradable things, you right. know, and Come say, on, OK, yeah, real stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some ways to get around it. But again, if you get high profile, they're going to you're going to get on their screens. So it's, it, it's not. So in that aspect, in that regard, guard, then it wouldn't be practical to use for everybody. It would be, yeah, right. You, you yeah. know what I mean? They're mar yeah. they're making it so, yeah. Well, what do you want to use the CBDC or, you know, or or your yeah. crypto? What what's going to be more allure of? Because you know, if you if you're on the underground, the underground economy is going to do something. That's yeah. another thing. I, how do they compensate for that? Now, I I don't know. I don't know. If, if, I'm sure you know this. But dude, if you wiped out the underground economy right now, the whole economy would collapse. Yeah, was don't understand somebody was, how intertwined it all yeah, is, right? Yeah, somebody was talking about how the black market comprises such a massive amount of money. Whether, you know, who knows what it is, whether it's illegal aliens working under the table in fields or houses or whatever, or it's prostitution or it's drugs. drugs a guy or, working out of his barn or his garage, yeah, like some yeah, people man. I know. You know? Yeah. I mean, so do you think do you think Tiger that that eventually like if it you know if they try to institute their CBDC which I think is going to be incredibly problematic and they're going to try to overlook a lot of these problems but let's say they try to introduce introduce their CBDC they start with FedNow sometime in like August or something like that right let's say they do that um, so they, they they try to push this FedNow thing then they they get it from the wholesalers on the bank level down to the retail level and they get people to you know sucker on this thing. Do you think that 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 people like us will sort of run parallel tracks where the superficial stuff that we need to do for, you know, whatever, uh, um, I don't know, you know, uh, getting a ticket to the museum for the kids or something like that. We'll do it with CBDC and we'll do that, but we'll keep most of our stuff with our friends. We'll have to. Yeah. There's no, you know, I, I was listening to this guy that was on the David Knight show. He's an economist. Now, I particularly, 
he he said some good things. He was very knowledgeable. He's pro- way more knowledgeable than me. He's like a fellow at some somewhere. Yeah, he's over in Texas at Texas Tech. Yeah, he had a lot of credentials, right? So yeah. I, I'm not, you know, in no way challenging the guy or saying anything bad about the guy. But I didn't like his attitude where he's like kind of like working with the system and kind of like talking about, you know, how, you know, basically he works in the system. He still believes in the system, kind of, it sounds like, or and then I thought about it, and I'm like, maybe he doesn't believe in the system. Maybe he has to, and he's working within the system and doing – because he sounded like a normal investment guy. You know, he didn't sound like people that we usually talk to or David Azan or, like, have – have you know, he sounded like he was in Austrian economics, but he was playing the Keynesian game. You know, do you, don't, do you get where I'm trying to say? Nothing yeah. bad about the guy. Like I said, knows way more than me, and he probably makes his living on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're going to have to be like that guy a little bit. We're going to have to, cause we do it now, don't we? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing. I think we're seeing a manifestation of some of the people who are sort of the, the liaison, not the liaisons, but the people who are caught in, they're not caught in the, but they're, they're the people who are hardcore free market Austrian type people, but are, are also connected to having done long-term analysis and they're very familiar and they've written papers for different universities and all these different things. Like I'll give you an example. I was watching Bob Murphy, who's a friend of mine. Bob's a hardcore Austrian free market guy. And he was using terminology that, you know, many investment people would use because he talks to them on their level as well with their vernacular. Um, And uh, this guy from Texas Tech, that particular area in Texas Tech, a friend of mine, is uh, one of the, the big people in that in that area. And uh, and he's a real hardcore free market guy. And I think what it is, is they have and, you know, this is this is a world that I don't see uh, because I'm just a dude on the ground, you know, petting the cat, listening to punk rock and doing it. Hardcore ideology message out to people who are like minded like us or might potentially be. But those guys they skirt the edges of some pretty big folks in investment and banking and universities. So their terminology is, is it's a combination of things. So it would be interesting to talk to uh, a guy like that, get some more perspective from him, because I have a feeling a lot of those guys think that the banking system in the U S will perpetuate itself one way or the other. There are so many people. Yeah. 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 And he knows that he knows that it wasn't that I didn't like the guy himself. I just, you know, yeah. I it, at first I'm like, man, you know, this guy just sounds like, you know, you, you know, I don't know, you're a typical investment guy. But here's the thing. He he understood that you can buck the system. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be on John Jeffries, you know, this uh, this Friday. Oh, I nice. think it's about prison. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That's not a nice place to be. OK. And you don't want to go there unless you absolutely positively have to. Because guess what? It's the next best thing to being dead. Okay? Because you don't count. You're not in it anymore. You're not with your family. You're not in life. You're not. You're in a, a, a environmental society that is not a nice place. You know, you yeah. got to be crafty. And I'm not saying it's it's total hell. I mean, there's a lot worse places. There's probably places on this earth to live there is worse than being in a prison here in the United States. I yeah. mean, with that being said, it's still, you, you, you don't count anymore. So you can't, you can only buck the system so much. And then there's the other, you know, effect of bucking the system, which is a piece of hot lead in your head. 
You know, yeah. you really, yeah. you know, you want to fight the cops. You know, oh, I'm going to pull out my AK-47 and, and do all this and do all that. Fight, fight the man. And no, that's not going. None of that's going to work. That's all nonsense. It'll get you either deader than a hammer, or it'll it's going to get you in prison. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm. I think, you know, the signals that I get from these guys. You know, if you go to the Mises Institute, they've been right on top of this. Yeah. You know, Bob, Bob's been on top of this. Guys like Tom Woods. Uh, you know they're the highest profile guys. And, uh, um, so if you look at what I think, you know, I think my perspective is, is unfortunately limited where I don't understand the scope of the number of people who have vested interests in, and very good knowledge of how to keep the investment world operating, uh, hedge funds operating, and, you know, to make their livings in this way, you know, right. I can look at the large scale things and I can say, hey, man, you know, there's a moral component to this, to central banking that's screwed up. I can look at the giant patterns and stuff like that. But I think these uh, these folks have a window that I can't quite see through. And um, and right. they can see. Yeah, they can see that there are going to be forces working within the banking industry and so on um that will end with politics as well that will perpetuate this sort of system what i do think is going to happen though is and i think you know people like bob murphy and others have been speaking about this it is going to be a consolidation it is going to be asset allocation it is going to be knocking out the people they don't like who hold assets that they don't like and that asset is going to be digital currency as far as crypto goes and then exactly. they're going to bring it in yeah i mean and it, you know you look at all the signals that that you you've gotten whether it's uh, uh justin trudeau shutting down and um people who just want to donate to the truckers um you know just going to the bank saying yeah shut them down go ahead do whatever you want giving them indemnity to shut down people's freaking bank accounts right yeah. or if you look at you know um uh, Biden trying to bring in this woman, Saleh Amarova, who studied in Moscow and is a hardcore uh, communist, wanted to bring her yeah. in as controller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's written papers on CBDC. And then you see the deft, the deft, but insultingly uh, immoral, hubristic way that uh, Liz Warren tries to uh, poo poo crypto, but bring in CBDC, you know. Just unbelievable, unfreaking believable. I, I think the time is right for us to go to a CBDC now. It would be good because, of course, we got to protect us from ourselves. Of course, of course. And who knows what they'll do to the American people to make them accept it? Besides the, like I wrote in my Substack, the people will be eating the dust. There'll there'll be the inflation. There'll be there'll be credit freezes. People will they'll go out of their minds. They'll make the people wild like they did with COVID, and they'll accept it. And we. You know, it's it's so so, and that brings me back to the investment guy. You're right, dude. That that was great perspective. There's a whole world we don't understand, but these guys, and, and at least the guy David had on was astute enough to realize that this comes to an end. He was, you know, he sounded like an Austrian yeah. economic guy. Right, right, he, right. Best, he plays in a different world than we do. And you, like you said, we look at the the compound movement of the of the banking system and the central banks and finances, where he is inside, like you said, investment. Yeah, and the whole thing I learned from him is you have to play in the system a little bit here or you're not going to get anything done at all. You know, what are you going to do? Starve to death? You know, you get you have to. We're stuck in it. We're trapped. What are we supposed to do? You know, what are the people going to do back to the people when they're when they bring the CBDC and we're going to get angry. But we can't really. What are they supposed to do? They yeah. don't have any choice. 
Well, you know, and, and the other thing that, that that was brought up, somebody brought it up over on YouTube, saw the comment about uh, um, basically just uh, money washing, you know, just laundering yes. money. And uh, that's yeah, not, that's another. Question. Yeah, that's another really, really good point. If you look at what FTX was doing with uh, its political donations and you look at the way the money was coming into it from Ukraine into FTX and then back to the very people who were voting on the money to go to friggin' Ukraine. Um, this this cycle is huge. It's massive. So I'll bet you anything. What we're also going to learn five, 10 years down the line is that the Federal Reserve and FDIC took very, very strong steps to bail out certain banks where there were certain politicians, especially if they were involved with certain committees who had massive investments or their children have massive investments and things like that. And those people got bailed out very easily. So that's going to be another facet of it. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of old, old knowledge, you know, it doesn't really provide anything new from my, my standpoint. I'm not giving anybody anything new, but I did uh, want to mention that that person brought up an astute point there. Yes. And uh, yeah. And uh, I see, Oh, it's, he, it was he brought twisted up another pistol. one with twisted yeah. pistol. Check it yeah. out. We yeah. got to roll with the punches and ride the storm and feed our kids the principles of freedom. This is a generational battle and, the the best we can do is keep the ideas of freedom alive for the future yeah dude that's it yeah yeah you know and that's the human action that's something they can't account for because sooner or later the the ideas of freedom come to pass look what happened to the founding of this nation as much as you know me and guard might you might hear us bit bitch a little bit about the constitution or or bitch about you know some of the government and stuff like that but what i i'm sure guard guard is in the same boat with me maybe not but that was a beautiful thing that happened that that if it, if things would have if they would have followed things a little bit better, we might not be so bad off today. I mean, what do you think yeah. of me saying? What, what do you think? Yeah, of? yeah, you know. And I, I years ago, I used to put Alexander Hamilton's name in as a bad guy in all my stories. And I remember Eric, who's the director, Eric Shiner of MRC TV. Uh, he read a script that I wrote, and he goes, "Oh, I knew who the bad guy was." And immediately, you called him ha- uh, Alexander Hamilton or uh, Hamilton. Yeah, I called him <laughs> Hamilton. And he's like, "I knew he was the bad guy right from the start." I'm like, yeah, 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 you got me, man. And uh, yeah, you know, and it's 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 a it's a strange thing, you know, because it sort of gives you. I get a little satisfaction in a way because it brings me back to thoughts about my dad and conversations I would have with my father and. And yeah, the noble people who fought in the revolution, you look at guys like Nathan Hale and Sam Adams and those guys, you know, I love the 10th Amendment Center. Uh, Michael Bolden and Michael Meharry do the bulk of the work there. Yeah. And Bolden, I, yeah, I mentioned at the start of my show tonight, Bolden is on at least twice a week doing these amazing videos. And it's just off the top of his head. He'll be like, yeah, so it was so-and-so who said this. And, you know, it was Federal Farmer who said this. And he'll talk about John Jay and all these different people. And you're just like, man, the facility you've got. So that era, yeah, you know, it really makes you feel strongly about these guys. Uh, I remember, you know, I I talk about uh, Rand Paul and um, Rand before he was a senator, it was at the very first of the Tea Party things around 2008 or something like that, maybe yeah. uh, around there, maybe 2011. I can't remember. But anyway, it was just before he ran for Senate and we were at the Green Dragon Inn, which was where the Sons of Liberty, Sam Adams, they called yeah. them the mechanics. Yeah, wow. that, that was the core group. Those guys used to meet at the Green Dragon Inn. It's the same inn. They just moved it like 100 feet away from where it originally was. They, they basically like moved the building 
a little bit. And it's in Boston, right downtown in Faneuil Hall, or, you know, it's right on a, like a side street. So we're in there. And, um, and that's where Rand pulled me aside. And he's like, Hey, do you think I should run for Senate? And, um, I said, well, you know, it's up to you. It, it, you know, you, you probably do a decent job there and stuff. And it was in that atmosphere, you know, I was thinking about that place and, you know, as a kid, you know, those, those guys, the sons of Liberty dumping the tea and, yeah. you know, they, yeah, it's just something else, man. I mean, yeah. And but the the when they got together and tried to put something together, I think they did their best. The way they worded things, there's some you know we we could pick out a lot of minutia, but I don't think that they were saying, hey, let's let's let this turn into a centralized government ran by banks. You know, they I think their intentions were 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 the the were good. You know, they weren't they weren't out to they were actually really trying to create a free nation. Yeah, and I, and I I would say philosophically, Tiger, too, that one of the one of the cool things about this is it. I think it really starts to show you how they had vestiges, at least, or at least they were instinctively seem to understand that decentralization was key, right? And while although I'm an anarchist voluntarist who is more inclined to go without any polis, morally, there right. is no justification for it. I think one of the things that they successfully did or they tried to successfully do was mimic the decentralized manner of governance that they had in ancient Anglo-Saxon England. And I've mentioned this before, ancient Brehon law, Ireland, yeah. uh, ancient Viking Iceland and the ancient tribes of Israel after they escaped from Egypt. I think that the is the the tribal Israeli thing uh, was probably one of their biggest examples where, you know, before they brought in a king, it was done basically by the tribes, by the families. Yes. If they had disputes, they went to the elder. He or she was typically he was the head, the judge. And they did a similar thing in ancient Ireland with the tribes. You know, it was reputational. It wasn't fully anarchic, but there were no taxes or anything like that. The ancient Japanese had a similar system, too. Interesting. Yeah, they did. They had a similar system. It broke down into hierarchy and dynasties, but within the dynasties, there was an economy of its own, and a lot of the a lot of the money didn't really all flow to the top. You had stuff going on in between. You know, uh, you know it's funny the- you bring that up because if you look at Naruto, right? Naruto, the basis for the for the like the Leaf Village and the Hidden Village and all those that is based on the medieval Japanese style that <laughs> hold on a minute dude oh hold, hold, hold on one minute yeah did you just say naruto yeah yeah that is badass how do you know about naruto you oh like man naruto? naruto's naruto, awesome man. it's exact exactly dude yes it is based on that you're, you're okay yeah yeah, because interrupt you. That, no, no, no. Because I was going to say because the ninja, the ninja are for hire. They're they're yes. not they're not operated by the state or anything like that. They basically no. are for hire. The villages are very decentralized. They have their own governance and elders. Yeah, and it, and so it, it yeah it really is. And it, it even you know what's fascinating. You even bring this up too, because if you look at early early China, under Lao with Lao Tzu, right? You look at yes. Lao Tzu. Yes. Lao Tzu, of course, the, the, the real founder of Taoism and then, uh, you know, spread uh, for quite a while there. Um, that also was decentralized. And Lao Tzu was a real early proto-libertarian talking about the tax man, talking about 
how bad that was. And I'll never forget one of the greatest lines from Lao Tzu was, when small men cast long shadows, the day's end is near. just great you know and to think that that was some guy who lived and i mean you know the fact that he wrote it down and he gets to be remembered for it i mean there are millions of people who come up with great statements like that and they might just mention it over a dinner table to somebody they might never mention it it's just walking along the sidewalk but the fact that that guy said that and it and it lived on like that is kind of nice you know eastern history is as you know eastern part of the world that 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 ancient history is is fascinating it's you know i've i've dove a lot into the china chinese culture and the japanese culture you know, mm-hmm. and that's just uh, amazing culture, man. Amazing. And like yeah. you said, you know, the Meiji era started there in Japan and it just kind of wiped all their culture out, you know, go- governance wise. Can I, yeah. can I ask you, do you know, I don't know if you know about this, uh, Tiger, but um, so I, when I was a teenager, they put on that, uh, they turned the James Clavell book Shogun into uh, like a, I don't know, it was like a seven day miniseries. And it was amazing. It was so good. Right. Um so I was a big fan of that. Like I was, I used to sit in front of the television with a notebook and I'd write down the Japanese terms. And I, I remember like a lot of that Japanese stuff. Um, so what I thought was interesting was that looked like it was close to the end of the Shogun era. Um, and, and I get a sense that, that, that was the start of sort of, and I don't know enough about the Japanese empire eras to know when it really started to that, go that... down. I want to say I'm thinking 18 yeah 1880s or 90s okay okay that uh, makes sense Advent, yep. because they, they 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 just they had firearms and they were black powder still and it was the French that were was it the French or the English that went I think both were it was both there. I think it was both yeah yeah it was, so, yeah, it was the and French and, and English they, they, yeah and then they started taking over the the governments you know they, they mm-hmm. nationalized everything you know yeah. I, I, where did they start they started in Kyoto I think is oh, where they, they they started it, but if you look at their history, then everything went downhill from there. Because as yeah, as, as bloody as the samurai era was, or the the dynasty era was, it wasn't what as bad as you would think. And and the there was a code, not the samurai code. There was a code of honor, which they still have a lot of that today. But if you get into Japanese society now, it's as debauched as ours. You know, there's a lot of debauchery in it now, just like all modern Western modern societies. And what have they done? They've taken themselves and turned themselves to a Western society where China kind of didn't have they didn't have that happen to them. I think the the landmass insulated them from being infiltrated by Western culture and Western, you know, um, philosophy. Man, you really right? nailed it. And, you know, it's it's very interesting, too. If you look at Jefferson's proscription against urban areas. Yeah, all oh, yeah. Yeah, the anonymity that the urban areas provide to people and the exposure that the rural areas provide. Um that's a very important thing for reputation. And I yeah. think that, that those are some of the bonds that really help hold people together. I think that's one of the one of the big things to learn from these ancient systems was reputation and face-to-face was very important, whether it's the ancient Israelis, whether it's the ancient Irish, the ancient Vikings, or yeah. the ancient Japanese, as you bring up. You know, they had these small towns, people knew each other, and if you were a bad actor, man, you weren't gonna do well, you know? No. So and and of course this this brings us back to today, you know, because today it's not just we want to destroy towns or state federalism, decentralization that way. 
the way the founders tried, but uh, Alexander Hamilton completely undermined it. And it just got worse and worse through yeah. Henry Clay and then into Abraham Lincoln, the consolidation there, um, you know, on through to FDR and then finding ways to get the welfareism to, to draw. There's the no line. more constitution. It's gone. There's yeah. no such thing. You might as well yeah. just say what constitution. And, and they're bringing it to a worldwide level now. You know, I mean, they, it already was worldwide. And they use the excuse of, well, you know, if you bring in the League of Nations, if you bring in the United oh, don't Nations. Get me started on that. Yes, the Club of Rome will come and save us. Yeah, yeah. So, And that brings us back to how much of this was planned, how much of this was hoped for and planned, how much of this was planned at then taking advantage of people in politics who who they knew they could get part of this. You know, so, for example, like when I worked at Star Trek, as you know, Gene Roddenberry, big fan of the U.N. Roddenberry. Yeah. Had well, been yeah, in, yeah, he could, yeah. Yeah. He had been in World War Two. He thought U.N. unification, one system it won't get people arguing with each other. Everybody be, you know, homogeneous, homogenous. Yeah, that'll be great. Right. No, it's it's one giant tyranny. What are you talking about? That's exactly. insane. Like, it's no. And, you know, he makes the Federation leaves like the U.N. and all that. So then you say, but that guy, you know, he was earnest. It wasn't like he was getting paid off by the Rockefellers. Right. Um, and yet the symbology, was he? The symbology is based on the U.N. That symbology is Saturnalia. Right. No, you you're know, right. so so at, at what point do we find a cutoff between the, the people who are just drawn into it because they're idealistic and the people who are, you know, looking like this. Like, it's, oh, it's hard to tell, know. Guard, because this is the problem. If you look at it all in the legislation, you look everywhere. You got CFR people everywhere. You got IMF people everywhere. You got trilateral commission people everywhere. All throughout our government woven in. Are they, you know, who knows how compartmentalized everyone is? And, yeah. and this is the problem. That's why I try to tell people when you got three people coming at you, the one in front of you that's going to about to hit you deal with that one first. Because we'll get our brains will melt down. We got all this crap coming at us, man. It is a, a crap storm. It is a shrapnel bomb of feces, right? And it is blown up and it's everywhere. And you're like, oh my God, look at this, look at that, look at this. And and, and you know what? That that's part of it. That's part of the 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 manipulation, I think. And we gotta Make sure that we focus on important things, not on lizards, space alien lizards who wear, uh, you know, Bill Clinton or uh, uh, Joe Biden's a space alien lizard who's getting Amber Comrie, you know, put into his arm through an IV. He has a plastic mask that he tears off because he's actually a lizard person. And, you know, his, his mom and dad were, you know, come from Neptune and it's Valiant Thor, you know, and who knows? Who knows what's going on? His, his, his mom was a woman from Venus with a 36 and a half inch, thing, you know. So <laughs> I, you got to stand what you know, what you can deal with and what's real, what's focusable, what's, yeah. what's tangible, what's going to hurt you and your family first. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm curious we're, about something. You know, yeah, we were talking about there. Naruto, right? Yeah. And, you know, I just, it's such a great, great story. At least the first, you know, the first run of Naruto. I mean, yeah, I like the Naruto first run. And then, it, you know, these, they, they, they carry some of these anime too long. Bleach is another really good one. Yes. The first run. Check yep. that out. Cowboy you know. Bebop and yeah. Bleach. Okay. And, and I'll mention also the first thing that I got into as a kid was Star Blazers, uh, Space Battle, Battleship Yamato. Okay. Epic, yeah. Man. Wow. That was, that like nothing touched that for years, man. That was crazy good. But I was I was curious to think, you know, 
you see how we react to things like fiction. Uh, you know, I mentioned a doctor who, or, you know, I mentioned Naruto, you're like, ah, you know, we connect so well. And I'm looking at the image, your background image with the tiger and it looks like a Japanese or Chinese, Chinese house, yeah. style pagoda type house. And, um, um, that makes me think of that great story, the boy who drew cats. And, uh, it's about this little Chinese boy who is studying to be a monk and he is just spending so much time he loves to draw cats and so the guy who's the head monk here says you're really not cut out for this you you want to be an artist or something like that you know and so he's sent away or he goes away or something like that and the kid needs to get shelter and he goes into this old empty abandoned ramshackle castle slash building and he draws for a while inside on the screens he draws a bunch of cats and then he needs a place to sleep. So he goes behind one of the screens near the window, the wall, sleeps there. And he hears during the night these giant rats. And he had heard about these terrible rats. And, you know, they're like and he wakes up in the morning and these humongous rats that would have eaten him are dead everywhere on the floor. And he can see the mouths of the cats that he's drawn are covered with blood. And it's a neat little story, and I, you know, it's a, and I'm thinking about this, and I think, you know, those types of things, those flights of fancy, you know, as as much as it might be, you know, adult nostalgia, thinking about those things, and you know, maybe people might think some portion of the population might think, look, when we think about reality, we got to think about reality. We think about God, we think about Christ, think about the real world that was created for us and by the almighty and you know those are the important things to stick with these flights of fancy they're distractions some people might think that some people might think no they're entertaining but when other things get in the way you got to really focus on the the real key things you know right and i'm wondering at this time and i talked to don don jeffries about this as you know don is a fiction writer as well and don's been frustrated because he wants to get and i mentioned this to you and jason i think once before too um, you know, Don wants to get his fiction out and I've got a bunch of fiction and I've been so sick that literally it's very, very difficult for me. I have to pick my, my opportunities very carefully to go back now because I'm going to be publishing my stuff myself because when I get in front of my own writing now, even though it's done, this sickness stuff I've been dealing with, I, I get very, very tired. So if I don't have stimulus, if I'm not working hard, so I have been focusing more on the political stuff. Because I've got an adversary. I can fight it. And I, it's immediate. Right. And I almost feel like, you know, at, where do you think, is there still room nowadays? And how would you look at it for your own personal life and your family and your work to say, you know, and it's all it's all a personal thing. Everybody's, you know, look at, looks at it differently. But fiction, little bits of fiction. Well, do you still find value in that? God, God, absolutely. I mean, God, God. Okay, so God made us, and I, I'm a terra firma guy. You know that in Latin that means your feet are on the ground, solid earth, right? Okay. Yeah. So, I, I'm very, you know, I attack these real things, and I'm with you. I attack, you know, the political stuff, and I'm, I, you know, but He gave us an imagination. He gave us a when you are a hunter, just take away the modern world. If you're hunter gatherer and farmer. You know, we're living more agrarianly. Without that imagination, you'd go nuts. 
Yeah. You'd go crazy if you were if you weren't able to work in a field and think of something other than your work or flying like a bird, you know, just to simplify things, right? You would go totally insane. So we need that break. He gave that to us as a gift, our imaginations, right? Yeah. And the way that I look at it is, you know what, guard, like every now, you know what I do before I go to bed? I watch a little bit of TV. I like Westerns. I turn on the Westerns. Yeah. Sometimes I'll read. Sometimes I'll turn on Naruto or Yu Yu Hakusho or some kind of Japanese anime that I dig, right? Because yeah. I need to get that, especially now in the postmodern era with all these problems that we have. We have more problems now today than we ever did in our history of existing on the planet, right? Created yeah. problems. Yeah. And that Without that, I'd go crazy. I need some kind of break away from politics the real world everything and in prison when i read i read a lot of i you know i read a lot of reference books i read a lot of stuff on physical fitness and eating right i read a lot on roman history text kind of like books right yeah stuff like that a lot of philosophy yeah. yeah but i read a lot a lot of fiction because i needed to get the hell out of there yeah right and i didn't even want to read like i like mystery novels like there's a i can't remember her name and is for m is for murder and is for narrative she had these oh. all these books she uh yeah Grafton. sue grafton, sue grafton. Sue grafton. Yeah, she was a really good author right yeah. and i would like to read her books but it reminded me too much of the outside world so i like the sci-fi you know yeah. do urdin and stuff like that you know sure yeah so, yep yep yeah you, you know, know you so make me think that. that's what i think and i think people are going to continue to need that and I don't think this blasted machine that you and me are staring into can take that away. No, and I don't think so either. And I think the one-on-one, -on -one, what I what I do think I've come to appreciate more, especially having worked in television and having written, and even now as I get older, um, I'm starting to make a better connection to how we are made. In fact, David Knight talked about this, and I, I mentioned this, I don't think it was to you and Jason, but it might have been, I'm not quite sure, I was thinking a while back of being made in the image of God and I was thinking about imagination. And I think part of the reason that I appreciate even more now the act of imagination is that I understand that we are created as an image from the image of God, right? So we come from God's mind and god gave us the capacity to imagine so i think part of what i like to do now is i like to recognize first of all the the act of imagining that we are created in in the image of god but also i like to think about if i look at say peanuts i saw an ad for a snoopy book uh from thrift books that popped up on my screen and it not only gets me thinking about Snoopy and Charlie Brown and that world that used to encircle me as a kid, mm -hmm. which was its own thing. But it also gets me to think about Charles Schultz, you know, and I, I now recognize the connection to the creator of it. So if I can recognize that connection, if I can get to a point in my life where I'm reading the fiction and I can imagine not just the fiction, but I can imagine the real person, then I can imagine the real God. So that to me wow. was a significant move in my life when I started to recognize that. That to me is one of the really, and it's, it's, it's sort of dry, it's sort of boring. It's almost a scholastic sort of approach or, or, or monastic. We're talking about the monasteries. It's almost a monastic approach to, um, 
to literature or whatever. But I, I do get satisfaction out of that now. I look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, man, guard's roaring tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Guard, we're way long in this shoot. I mean, I, I just let us go. I just been on and on. We we're supposed to end 43 minutes ago. <laughs> wow, I didn't even realize, man. That's so crazy. Well, no, we're we're gonna talk. It's great conversation, brother. Oh you man, know, like, uh, we got to talk Naruto. I will say this: one other thing I got to say about Naruto, man, is sure. if you look at that first series thing, and no spoilers too much here. But all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say is, if you look at the way that 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 they he the the author of Naruto handled Sasuke, yes, brilliant, 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 brilliant. I mean, yeah. just. Uh, that the way he brought that story around was just a George Lucas. If George Lucas had yeah. only been exposed to Naruto a little more, I think he could have made Star Wars a lot better. Oh, um, you're right. You're right. You know, guard real quick before we, we do the closeout, we got about three, maybe three minutes of plugging everybody at the most. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, have you ever heard of Roni Kenshin or Samurai X? Samurai yeah. X sounds familiar. I don't, Aroni Kinchin? I don't know that. Check out Roroni. You know, Roroni is one. It's Wandering Samurai or, or Wandering. Oh, you know, Roroni oh. Kinchin. I'll send you some links. Okay. There, the movies are Samurai X, and then there's a, a series based off of Samurai X. Just like synapses, it's about the Bota, Bota, Batosai. He was a manslayer. He was a, a samurai back in the, in the Meiji period, and he worked for the Meiji government. Right. So he worked for the people who were bringing in the government. So he was a, an assassin and he killed and killed and killed. And they get these guys young. Right. Yeah. 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 He kills, he kills the woman he loves. Right. And he realizes after he does that, he's you know, he's fighting and he can't see and he ends up killing her anyways. And he, and he realizes he's been killer for all this time. And, you know, and, and, and he has to change. And so then they start the, the series with Roni Kenshin where he is now this killer samurai who has to atone. He lives in atonement for all the murdering he's done. And it, it, it's a cool little series, but it's very historically accurate. It's really cool. You, oh, really, I'd love to check that out, man. Yeah, that would be check, really cool. Check, Thank check you. It out. I'll send you a link or something to it. But yeah. And, and, me and Guard will, will go on, Guard. Go on. No, no. I was just going to say, I want to invite you. Once I get it going, I want to do like a watch party on Rockfin for this uh, show. It's not it's not anime or samurai based or anything like that. It's this uh, based on a, uh, Ursula, Ursula Le Guin story, The Lathe of Heaven. And, nice. Uh, yeah, definitely got to get you to check that out. I think it's it's mind blowing. It's great. Um, yeah. So anyway, there, there's cool so stuff. many good books and good stories and good little. You know, I mean, the creation, the what what people can create. I mean, look what look. How can you? How can there be atheists? How yeah. can you not see? You know. Yeah. With yeah. that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here in a second. David Knight Gold. In a fake world with fake food, fake fiat currency, everything is fake. You should invest yourself, not financial advice, in some precious metals. And the best way to do that is go to davidknight.gold and you hit join the wolf pack. And that will take you to the den of the wisest of the wolves. And they have the hearts and souls of angels, Tony Otterburn and Wise Wolf Gold. And from then, if you're like me and you forget about things or you're busy and you run out of time, you can... You're in the in the wolf pack, and ladies and gentlemen, this is a buying group. So you got a buying package. It comes monthly. Go got credit, debit, fifty bucks, one twenty five, two fifty, five hundred, or a thousand. You get gold and silver sent to you. But you know, depending on what pack you're in, sometimes you'll get gold. I think he's doing like a little special right now. You 
definitely want to check it out. Go to wisewolf.gold and check everything out. But, you know, mention David Knight. Join, join to the, the davidknight.gold site. You know, 50 bucks a month. Do something to prepare. You guys hear me say this all the time. Prepare your souls. Prepare your minds. Prepare your spirits. And if you can afford it, prepare yourself financially. You know, but like I always say, you can't eat gold, you can't eat money. So always prepare for your belly because Angry Tiger is always hungry. But no, financially, this is the way to go. Precious metals, and these are the people to deal with. And that's the way to do it. it you know, with that being said, um, Knights of the Storm, you can always find me there 10 a.m. Saturdays, Eastern Time. We are, uh, you know, always there talking of good stuff. We got people from the chat. We get great guests like Garter Goldsmith coming on, you know. Um, the, the reason we started all this was actually David Knight inspired us into the, into this. It kind of like organically stemmed from more David Knight's chat. So we're really proud of that. And we're proud to be, a you know, to affiliate ourselves with him, you know, and, and be able to, to, that he doesn't mind us actually saying, Hey guys, go check out the David yeah. Knight show. And you can find him on, yeah, it's an honor yeah, on rumble, gab, Twitter, D live. He's got a website. And if you go to the Knights of the storm, go to the Knights of the storm podcast, put that in your search engine. You can go to the Knights of the Storm, and you can see all these people here, and we have a schedule for them all. America Unplugged, Triple Threat, Billy Ray Valentine, East Coast host with the most, Tony Arterburn, the wisest of the wolves, and you got Donald Jeffrey, the legendary. You want to check these guys out every Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, great analysis, you know, and they have a good time. You got three different perspectives going on. It's, it's really good stuff. You got Eric Peters, Car Reviews, Libertarian-esque, tell you about the war on transportation and give you a nuts and bolts breakdown on real car reviews. I love reading his reviews guard because yeah. they are so like real. They're yeah. Not, like, it's like a car and driver review. Yes. And the RPMs at 8,000 RPM. Yes. Right. Right. He's yeah. Yeah. He's not blowing smoke. Yeah. No, he's not blowing smoke up your tailpipe, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> anyways, then we got Charlie Robinson, you know, macroaggressions, check him out, bringing home the bacon. He, he is not a bullshitter in any way, shape, or form. The master of monologue, number six on Rumble, Substack, and Twitter. He's also got Lisa Bellinger with him, John Henry, the Lumberjack of Liberty, and you got Chris Graves, the Mastodonna Researchers, mentioning Chris Graves, the Mastodonna Researchers on Twitter, or Chelly and Gab. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, go to the schedule. You can see where all these great people are. Billy Ray Valentine, he's on Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Twitter with the Infinite Fringe, freeworld.fm. Look out for that, ladies and gentlemen. I think... You'll be able to catch all of these fine people or most of these fine people on Free World FM once it launches. I, Jason Barker, Twitter Rumble, the Foxhole, tomorrow, Thursday, 8 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, get Red D. Jason Barker is exposing the war on us, and he does a very good job of it every Thursday night. You can see him on Twitter, Rumble, and other places. Come, but once again, come to our website and check out the schedule. I, of course, an Angry Tiger. You know where to find me, Twitter, Rumble. Substack. I really want you to go to my Substack. Really rather you go to my Rumble. Same with Don Jeffries. Same with Jay. We I don't know about Guard. He's going to tell you about himself in a second. But we want you to go to our Substack. We really like that. We really think that's kind of the future for everyone. And I think a lot of other people are on board with that kind of thinking. So check out the Substack, Angry Tigers newsletter, and check out Jason, the real Jason Barker, the foxhole at Substack. Guard, tell us where the good folks can find you, sir. Yeah, I think the uh, the Substack source is great. Um, right now, Twitter has been very good to me. Um, I don't think I'm shadow banned right now on Twitter. 
uh, which is cool. So people can go there, uh, check out the Twitter feed and see what's happening. Every night, 6 o'clock, I'm on Rockfin. And uh, people can join up, hit us over at Rockfin with Liberty Conspiracy Live. And then I'm, I'm also broadcasting on the Twitter feed and on the Rumble feed. We're starting there now. Uh, we've been there for about a week now. Nice. And that's, yeah, that's super cool. And then um, people can find separate pieces of Liberty Conspiracy at Odyssey and at BitChute. But Rumble Live, 6 o'clock. Rockfin Live, 6 o'clock. And uh, also Twitter Live, 6 o'clock. And one of the things that uh, I think, you know, you brought up a really good point about Substack. There's, I got the Garden Golds and Substack. And uh, there are a lot of Substacks around. And uh, I think it's just, you know, that balancing act between um, putting material out on Substack for me and stuff that is going to be quick, easy for people to check out on a regular basis, keep coming back, check things out versus longer things where they might say, oh, yeah, you know, this guy Gardner, this guy Angry Tiger, these guys are putting out some good stuff that's a little longer sometimes, too. So you right. try to balance it out. Yeah, I think you probably do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we, you have to, right? Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes I do shorts. Sometimes I don't get my video posted up on Substack right away. It might be on Rumble. If, you know, when I do live stuff, it gets posted automatically on a lot of things. But sometimes I don't get it up right away. But, yeah, don't just go to Substack. Check us out on everything you want to, yeah. you know. But that's good advice, Guard. Thank you. See? Well, I need a guy like God around every now and then to grab my tail and pull me back in line. Um, excellent, Guard. Everybody in the chat. So we had, uh, real quick before we go, we had Tom Cooper. We had Chris Graves. We had Twisted Pistol. Um, we had Doc, I think, impersonating former con. Now listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys this shit right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get real 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 serious kind of with y'all. I don't tell people what to do. I'm a libertarian-esque anarchist kind of like like guard kind of way of thinking i don't give a rat's ass what you do or how you conduct yourself i'm not here to run you i can barely run myself okay with that being said if you're going to be in the chat don't mess with people don't be a dick and don't you know i really don't appreciate anybody stealing someone else's identity that's kind of shitty it really is i'm just talking real straight up now without any flowery intellectual words or anything like that that's kind of bullshitty if you want to do it, do it. But everybody hates that shit, dude. And all it just if you're getting if you're trolling, but I know who you are. I'm not going to say your name. And if you're trolling, I, OK, I guess that's what your thing is to do. But you know how the people are. We're all good people. And all the people in the chat are good people. Stop fucking with them. Stop being a dick. You know, and then, you know, it's you know, I like you, dude. When you're being normal, you're great. So don't do that shit. You know, at least if you want, I'm not going to stop you, but. Just don't do that shit. If I see you doing rude shit, then I'm going to stop you. But, you know, don't ever insult no ladies or say anything lewd while there's ladies in my chat. Because I, I don't hold with that stuff. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, improve yourself. And remember, DeSantis, Trump, nobody's going to help you. Nobody's going to stop the TBDC. Be your own hero. Invest your time in yourself. Do things that make your, you feel good about yourself. Read something. Learn something. Work out. Learn, you know, go for a walk in the woods. But ladies and gentlemen, time is your most valuable commodity. Do not waste it. Spend it doing something you love, with someone you love, or preferably all three. And ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, until we meet again. Yeah! 
Your time is your most valuable commodity. Cherish it and use it wisely. Until we meet again. Oh, <laughs>